started. So welcome to another show. Uh, today we have Dr. Linda Ulrich, who is a host to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, as well as a creator of the Goodness Exchange, who's also been a three times TEDx talker and is an author. So welcome to today's show, Linda. I'm delighted to be here, Javon. So from, from just that introduction alone, we can see that you are a force for positive change in the world and looking at the the good that can come of things can you sort of expand on that a little bit and, and talk about the reasons why you have started both the podcast and also the, the the exchange that is has got a vast array of positive material on there yeah so um i was i i, I am but i was a dentist for about 20 years um when i started the goodness exchange and and um the reason for that was because I started noticing that the social media and the overwhelming negative narrative in the news was just really starting to get my patients down in like 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, and one, and I kept saying, um, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's, somebody's got to do something about this. Cause I'm well-read and I traveled all over the world and I'd seen the best in humanity so much, so often. And um, I knew that if all most people knew was what we see on the screens in our lives, we were never going to believe each, in each other or the future. And so one day, a number of things happened all, all in order, like often happens. And that day I stopped saying, somebody's got to do something about this. And I said, it was going to be me. So since then, a team and I have... Um, have written thousands of articles, published thousands of links and interviews and so forth to all the good that's happening in the world. So people would have some trustworthy access with uh, no agenda to what's right with the world. So we have no politics, never have touched um, advertising or anything like that. We're just trying to trying to shine a light on what's right with the world. Uh, to be fair, I, lo I love that in terms of um, finding a problem or saying that well there's something that's not being done who's going to do it and actually taking it upon yourself to provide the solution and i think that is where a lot of ideas come from it's like well i need to find x y and z it's not there i've got two options one is i can either complain or i can be the person who did that and i actually did that with my book as well but i'm not i'm going to brush over that anyway the other thing that i like is that as you've rightly said if you see negative things in the news you are more likely to have a negative perspective, which means that you're more likely to act in a negative way as opposed to the positive side. So have you noticed a change in the people who, because I'm sure that friends, family, your colleagues have all started to read your literature. Have you noticed a change in their attitude as well, just from, from reading that? Yeah, and I think it's part of, um, have you ever had a friend that just went on a health kick and you hadn't seen him for six months and when you saw him, you went, you may barely have recognized them. Yeah. I think that um, our, our worldview can, can be, the, can be changed just the same. Like we're so worried about how we look to the external world and we're going to the gym and doing all the things with our nails and all the stuff. Um, and most of us, many of us are seeking ways to have better mental health these days. So we've got our, we've got our physical health down. Now we're worried about our mental health. And I think our worldview ought to be just as important as those other two because the worldview is how you make decisions every day you either make decisions from a from a position of fear or you make decisions from a position of of love and curiosity and if your worldview is stunted by this way over over um 
we're just being overwhelmed by all the negative news in the world. If it's, if, if your worldview is stunted by that, you can't help it, but be different uh, in your life and your everyday recommendations to your kids or your coworkers or what have you. But if you can change your worldview, you are just as, as radiant a person in other people's lives um, as, and as important a change maker as, as you could ever be. Um, and that that's valuable to your working environment and your family and your friends and everyone. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's like the, the phrase, a mountain is climbed with a single step or a single step basically combats a mountain. It, I look at a life in the same respect. You know, if you have a bad day, that turns into a bad week, a bad month, a bad uh, a bad quarter, a bad year, and, and, and obviously a bad decade and a bad life. And what you're saying is that if you are reading bad news and you then have the, the, the victim mentality, you're going to have a bad day. And if you do that over a period of time, you're unrecognizable from someone who maybe looks at the positive side of things and and seeing the positive in what people can do because at the end of the day even ourselves and and, you, and yourself you everything that you've got someone else is jealous of you know you've you've been a tedx speaker you've got your own show you've got your own um, goodness exchange you're an author you have got a lovely photo of a panda in the background and the uh, everything you have that you've got to be grateful for and for those people who maybe are reading the negative news they then have can have a hatred towards society themselves which puts them in the negative spiral is that what your ambition was to try and reverse that trend because as you said the mainstream narrative the agenda is negative news look how bad the world is murder if it bleeds it reads and all, all that sort of stuff were you trying to be the change in that spiral. So there's one thing that a thought leader taught me long time ago that I, I focus on almost every day is what we give our attention to expands. It's, it's, it's the way it works with credit card debt and the an animosities we might have with our teenager and the, the friction we may have with our boss, right? If we give our, all our attention over to those friction points, the friction expands. And the same is true of what we give our attention to on the screens in our lives. Um, it's it's a reality. It, it's not only just a mindset, it's a reality. Your algorithms are gonna serve you more of what you chose last, that's it. So if you're clicking on negative news, that's all the choices that you're, you're giving your algorithm, that's what's gonna give you back. But also just um, intellectually and, and emotionally, um, if we just give over all our attention to what's wrong in our lives or in the wider world or what have you, we become that person who just looks for what's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have evidence. You got to seek evidence that there's something good out there. I, I love that analogy, uh, the 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 algorithm analogy, because the more negative news we, we look at on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, the algorithm suggests more of that stuff. And I think that's a great metaphor for life in general. If we see negative stuff in in life, we the 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 algorithm of of life gives us more of that as, as well. So, I think that's a really great analogy because for for all the listeners out there, you can probably go onto your YouTube channel and see what type of videos you're being recommended, and that'll probably give you an insight as to what type of person you are, <laughs> or what content you'd be watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so as far as the goodness exchange goes, what type of because positive and, and, and goodness are very vague words, aren't they? 
what specifically content wise does the exchange have on uh does it have for example people turning around their health people starting businesses and succeeding the good sustainable developments going around the world or is it a combination of all that but with the undertone of being something positive yeah you know that's one of the things that's made the endeavor quite hard is because everyone is always telling us find your niche audience find your niche audience and that's one thing about what we've done with the goodness exchange i've refused to play the games of the of of the internet right from day one i said if i can't do this without playing all the games without having the hype and the finding my niche audience and constantly doing outrageous things for them. If I can't make this work without all that, then uh, then I'm not going to put my shoulder towards that door. But the, but the answer to your question is, is that when, so I am absolutely rigorous about my, this understanding that what I give my attention to, I will get more of. So I say for 10 years, I, I'm as curious about the blobfish on the weather channel as anyone else, but mm -hmm. I will not click on it. <laughs> you know, you see, you see a picture of an anaconda with a human form in it and you just want to click on that so bad. No, I don't. I don't click on ads. I don't click on, um, on social media. I would never in a million years click on some back and forth of politics that people are doing, even if they're on my side and they're saying they're winning, I won't click on it because we get more of what we click on. That's, um, this seems like a good point for me to share the four shifts. Would you like me to do that, Javon? Absolutely. The four shifts. Okay. All right. So what I, when I went, started in this journey in 2013, I was an ordinary web user. Um, okay. I, I was pretty good at creating web content. I started the first dental um, website in my area, um, by miles, I wrote a 300 page website in 2004. So, okay. I was a little bit, uh, on the edge out there, but really, you know, buy a pair of boots, see what my sister's new puppy looks like. That's where I was with the internet. <laughs> and what I learned, what I've learned over the last 10 years, I really love to share with people because we can reduce this down to four simple shifts that will help you see an entirely different world in your lives. Just keep remembering that what you see is only a slice of reality because of what you've clicked on in the past. So here are the four shifts. First, all you have to do to start changing all this negativity that you see on the screens in your life is pause. Pause before you give your attention to anything because someone is counting every click you make. Your click is a vote for more of whatever you're giving your attention to in that minute. You know, when you scroll, when you're scrolling at lunch and you're clicking and you're scrolling at lunch and clicking, you're eating your sandwich, scrolling and clicking, every single one of those clicks is a vote for more of that. So, so, so what you're saying is then, because we'll, we'll talk about these individually. So you're saying that we need to be conscious and in order to be conscious about the decisions we're making, we need to pause in order to reflect about the decisions we are making and how that impact that is having on, as you said, the votes and, and what that is promoting as far as the, the global and more specifically to yourself as an audience. Yes. Pause before you click on anything. And when I say click, I mean a swipe, a tap, a like, a, even, you know, some algorithms are trained to just notice where our eyes are falling. So pause before you click on anything and then ask yourself, do we really need more of that? 
that's all I do all day long. I see things that are like shiny objects all over the, the internet too. Not as many as most because I've trained my algorithms by now, but still just pause. And that's how I, I say, do we need more of that? Whether it's a fight on the internet or some bad comment in uh, at the bottom of a recipe or whatever, I, I do not give my attention to things that we don't need more of. And then the second step is ignore more ignore 80% of what you used to just click on out of A, B, C. I, I give people something to think of. Don't click out of A, B, or C mode. Anger, boredom, or morbid curiosity. Just don't. <laughs> A, B, C. Anger, boredom, or curiosity. If you're giving something on the internet your attention out of one of those three modes, that's what you're going to get more of, and it's likely to be negative. So pause is the first one. Ignore more is the second the third is seek signs of goodness and progress. Remember all that our algorithms are, are shortcuts. So they, and they were, believe it or not, as bad as al algorithms seem to be these days, they were invented to be a shortcut, to be helpful. So if you liked only content about Britney Spaniels, that's, you'd see more of it or what have you. So when you seek signs of goodness and progress, when you go to our website and just make it a habit every single day, or there are other wonderful positive places for content, Smithsonian, NASA, find your niche, go there a lot. If once your algorithm seeing that that's what you give your attention to, it will serve you more of that. And, um, and remember that uh, the fourth, the fourth shift is, and when you find positive things, share them. The fourth shift is share. So it's pause, ignore more, seek signs of goodness and progress and share it because no one is making content that we won't that we won't stick with and share. Nobody cares about likes anymore. On the internet now, the big thing is shares. So, you know, if you see that negative post on social media about some political thing, no matter how bad you care about it, um, yeah, it's, it's like as you the said, worst the possible thing you can do. That the the energy where your attention goes, your energy flows. But I think some of the problems can can stem from the fact that. The loser mindset is that if I'm not successful, I don't want anyone else to be successful. And I think that's the issue because a lot of people have this where they see something good and like they have a negative attitude towards someone being successful and they are unlikely to share that. But if someone's, you know, fell over and, you know, has has demoralized themselves and put themselves in the worst worst position, they're happy to share that. But what they don't realize is they are doing the same thing to themselves by sharing bad or good things you, if you are happy for other people and you're elevating other people you are more likely to elevate yourself do you agree with that absolutely um you know uh we are what we give our attention to we are what we share these days i mean if you agree that we used to have just a personal life and a working life and now we have a digital life um then then that's one third of our existence at least um, and it's important that we show up there with the same kind of person we want to be for our families that we want to be for in our work environments. We don't want to be that hateful person that just spreads negativity in our wake. We, you know, at work, we want to be the, the considered the thoughtful one, the idea person. And you get that way when you change your worldview. Yeah. I mean, we've all got friends, haven't we, that always look at the negative and Jim Rohn's got a really good phrase around this. He says, Imagine you're you're sitting in front of a, um, a window and it's the most beautiful view you've ever seen out of the window. Don't be the person who complains about the specs on the window. Because out of everything good, 
you're that one person who brings up that one you know the 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 bird poo or a speck on the window when there's so much to focus on positively why would you avert your attention directly to the to the negative and that's i think a mindset shift as opposed to anything else like we talked last time off air didn't we about your because you've hurt your leg haven't you and that's a negative thing but positives can come from negative things you know you've now had more time to 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 write and and go on more podcasts and Although that is a negative side, there are the, the the attention, as you said, the focus should be on. Well, okay, we're in the situation we're in now. Anyway, what can we do to maximise this potential? And I think that's a really good mindset shift and something that you're obviously trying to promote globally. Yes. So there's a fabulous thought leader named Dr. Sweekumar Rao R A O. You can find his work through the Rao Institute. So he's one of the guests I had on the podcast, and he shared this amazing. Um, very quick thought process with me that I've used every day since. So um, something happens, good or bad. This is really important that we apply it to the good things too. You have to say, this is good thing, bad thing, who knows? Because we've all, we and we all understand this. We've had terrible things happen to us that in the scope of time, we look back and say, oh my gosh, that turned out to be the best thing ever. But at the time, I responded to it as if it was the worst thing. So, so Dr. Rao's, um, the wisdom of Dr. Rao's way of looking at the world is that you just, uh, when I fell and broke my leg, I broke my leg, my kneecap blew up into seven pieces, slipped on a piece of ice about a year ago. And I sat there on the ground and like everyone, my first reaction was, oh, this changes everything. My legs bent backwards. It was terrible. But then I thought of Dr. Rao instantly. I thought of Dr. Rao's because I had changed, I had trained myself to, for my mind to go that way. I thought of Dr. Rao's, um, Dr. Rao's wisdom and just, okay, pause. Good thing, bad thing, who knows? And I went on about the day, ended up with surgery and all the terrible things for weeks. Um, sounds like the end of the whole story. You're right. In the end, it turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds like the, the whole story, the, uh, good look, bad look story. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because yeah, the, the broken leg, it's, um, it's uncanny to your situation actually in some respects yeah no it's pretty uncanny yes. <laughs> yeah yeah. And, yeah and it was forward backward forward backward forward backward just like in that story um and i think that um i think that the other wonderful thing about being the positive person in your circles or knowing more about the positive world is that you know, we are all looking at the world through a unique lens, very unique. We might be going through a divorce or a breakup. We may be having struggles with our 17 year old. We may be whatever. And that, that is a unique lens from which we view everything else that happens to us. The negative news can make life feel hopeless or what have you. So if we're the the positive person who knows more about the expanded version of reality. That's all I'm That's all I'm talking about. I want to be really clear about this, Javon. I, I read the Wall Street Journal and New York Times every day. You know, people try and put me out as this person with rose-colored glasses. I have a childhood tragedy that's just horrifying in my life. Um, I, I am not unfamiliar with how bad the world is. I just know that it's that there is so much good that isn't getting printed, isn't yeah. getting celebrated. Yeah. And so it's our choice. And if you're the one in your circles that knows about Damian Mander, who's discovered that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa, 
Or if you're the one in your group that knows that Topher White's figured out how to save all the remaining rainforest with, with old cell phones or on and on, I could go. Um, if you're that person, you're the one who's the idea person. You're the one who, who can influence others to see past the edges of their lens. And you can bring a lot of joy to other people's lives by being that person. I like actually it's like perfect timing really about the rose colour spectacles because while you were speaking I actually wrote down a few things and it was well what's the fine line really between being overly positive and delusional because as you said you need to be aware of the threats that could happen yes. um, and is it a case of again a fine line between being um, uh, uninformed and misinformed mm-hmm. oh, it's so true so you can't pick and choose. <laughs> this is the thing. If the only place you get your news is from social media, it is going to be tainted. Most of us know that, but we don't act like we know that, right? If you if you only get your news from one source or or you've got something constantly chiming in in the background of your life from the TV or or something, um your point of view is going to be like looking through a pinhole. And so I tell people to make sure that they, that they a get some news from many sources every day, and make sure it's pretty balanced. If someone's uh, here's the way, would you like me to give you some tips about how I watch yeah. or listen to the news? Absolutely. Okay. So if I'm watching a news program on TV or on my computer, and the and I turn down the sound, and the person is. And they're making all kinds of sounds and arm movements and facial expressions. It's clear they're trying to convince me of their point of view. Because mm-hmm. people who are truly reporting the news are not interested in you sharing their opinion. That's how we get people. So, you know, 60% of communication is body language and yeah. facial expression. And that 60% is all the gesticulating and the angry faces and the huffing and the rolling of the eyes and the laughing at p- other p- people. All the, if you find that the, your news source is doing that, then they're not a news source. They're entertainment. They're an entertainment source. And you've got to keep that really clear in your mind. But if you can turn down the sound and the person is just a talking head and they're straight up and they're just making commentary like I am right now, they have no agenda. They're just telling you what happened. So that's how I judge where I get my news. If I decide that um, the, a single report or a particular reporter or a whole agency is constantly trying to um, shape my worldview in some way, there I, I don't give my attention to them. Um, also, I read, for instance, I skim the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times every day, and I pick and choose. I'm, I'm very conscious. You mentioned it a few minutes ago. We cannot go to the internet or the newspaper or the news, whatever, on autopilot. We have to be very conscious and be present because, you know, when you're doing the scrolling and clicking and scrolling and clicking, you're on autopilot. And the part of your brain that's making your choices is called the amygdala. And it's the fear center of the brain. And it's what it's the reason why you and I are here, Javon, and everyone listening to this is because we have ancestors 30,000 years ago who were really good at listening to bad news. They stayed safe from saber tooth tigers and evil uh, groups of people across the, the valley because they listened hard for danger and disorder. Well, you know, we don't have that anymore. Most of us do not have to worry about 
and be fearful of our lives. Not everyone, but most of us don't need to use that part of our brain or our amygdala to decide what comes in to our brain. We can pause again, back to the pause. We can see that headline. And when I, when I scan the headlines of the New York times or the wall street journal every day, I take in, I I'm very cautious. I'm very conscious of which things I'm choosing out of fear or, or that amygdala, you know, kind of thing. Um, and which I'm choosing out of curiosity or, um, joy or what have you. So if you just stay present when you're reading the newspaper, you can make sure that you're getting yourself a balanced diet. Now, then there's us asking the newspapers to tell us more about what's right with the world. Yeah. It's um, like, like you said uh, a few moments ago, most people at the common sense level know that this is what the social media and the news is trying to do. But people say knowledge is power. It's not knowledge is not power. It's the application of knowledge, which is, which is power, which is what you're saying and saying, yes, yes. Most of you probably know that, but I'm giving you a- action steps and resources that are there to help you act upon what you already know to be true. Yeah. You know, there's a great, uh, one of the most important thinkers in climate change right now is, is named Paul Hawken. I interviewed him for the um, Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. By the way, that's a beautiful interview. He's, he's written the largest empirical um, plan for mitigating climate change in the world. Paul Hawken, if you put his name in the search box, you'll, it'll come up for pages and pages. So I was chatting with him and he said the most amazing thing that fits right here. He says, and I, I have his quote up over here because I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk. He says, it's not belief that drives action. It's action that drives belief. Love it. See, most of us think it's it's that belief drives action. So if I believed it was a better world, I would then go seek out evidence for that. But that's not true. If you, he says, it's action that drives belief. So if you, if you like, like working out or just like any other good habits that you try and maintain, drinking lots of water, working out every day, blah, blah, blah. If you added seeking good news to part of your day, um, you would, you would see just like that, that your action would drive your belief. And then you would believe that the world is a far better place than you do right now. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's it go. It would probably go faith, action, belief because belief for me. Um, I spoke to someone uh, on a podcast about this b- before. Um, what's the difference between trust and faith? And I said that trust means that you have previous history. So if you trust someone to do something, you've more than likely got previous evidence of them doing that thing. So I could say, okay, Linda, I trust that you're going to do a great talk because you've done it the same number of times on TEDx. If you have faith in someone, you that's not necessarily based on prior experience, but you have faith that they will act on that. I think the action, as you said, comes, comes before the belief because you have had to act before the belief has sat in. Because faith and belief are different words with a very similar undertone, but not necessarily the direct connotations. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there's a great statistic we just came across the other day. We've started um, offering um, subscriptions to the Goodness Exchange to businesses around the world that want to improve their work, work cultures. And one of the statistics that just left me astounded the other day was that... Um, there's a Harvard study, a woman, oh gosh, I can't begin to pronounce her, her last name. 
but she did this study where she found that just four minutes of exposure to positive news can um, make you 32% less, less anxious. And, um, and 12% more graceful. Now think about moving the needle on your sense of well-being, 32% in just four minutes. I, I don't know another thing that you can do. And it's just sitting right there for us for the taking, you know? Um, one of the ways I like to look at the difference between absorbing negative noise all day long or positive is sort of like, if you look at it like a diet, you know, if, if you or I know anyone who just eats junk food all day long, we're going to kind of expect their whole person to be sort of a junk food sort of compilation. <laughs> but if you know someone who watches what they eat and they try and eat one salad a day and they don't, they don't treat themselves to soda all day long, they're going to be a different kind of person in the world. And that's exactly the way our news diet is. If you, if you just can't break away from the negative news, make sure you're balancing it with as many salads, which is, you know, there can be some delicious salads in the world too. So we've really got to look at our, our worldview, like something we're feeding. Yeah. It's something I'll try and do now in the morning. You mentioned the four minutes. Don't know how long it takes me exactly, but I write down a few things in the morning, the things I'm grateful for that I've got, the things I'm grateful for that will come true. So faith, um, affirmation. So positive self-talk. Yeah. And then goals, the goals I'm working towards. And those four things are all positive based rather than what would normally happen is getting up in the morning, as you said, scrolling through your phone. Oh, stock market's down. Oh, no. You know, negative thinking spirals. Oh, someone got killed. Oh, negative spirals. Messages about you need to to get this done. Your work emails, you know, please. And you're starting off your day with thinking about problems. The rest of the day, as you said, then follow suit. Whereas if you just spend the four minutes, whether it's the goodness exchange, whether it's the gratitude, whether it's listening, listening to something motivational, whatever it's going to be, something that's going to put you in that positive mind mind state will give you a better day. And a better day will give you a better week and a better week will give you a better life. So what you're, what you're saying here is that just very small changes can give tangibly better results. And as you said, you've seen that throughout the people that listen to the podcast and obviously follow the uh, the exchange itself. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to remember that the future is not something that happens. It's something we create. And what we do today determines our tomorrow. It just, so, you know, that's the rationale for eating better, making sure we exercise here and there and making sure we have loving relationships. We're putting our energy towards that instead of work, work, work. You know, all those things. We, we I just don't hear enough people talking about worldview. And I, I guess that's that's what I'm the champion for is is us caring as much about our worldview as we do about our our hair and our nails and our waistline and <laughs> the rest yeah. of it. No, I think you're right. It's important to have a a good overall view because it's like the Victor Frankl. I don't know if you know Victor Frankl. The um, oh sure, of course. Uh, but essentially, you know, he's he's locked up and he derived meaning, which meant that even if you put him in the worst possible position he didn't go mental because he had a sense of meaning, had a sense of purpose, has a positive viewpoint, even in a negative situation. And if that doesn't show some evidence to what you're saying, I don't really know what, what does, because we're not in as bad a situation as that. And he didn't really feel as bad as what he could have done. So again, as you said a number of times, what, what you focus on expands. 
what you you know what your thoughts are things what we think about is is really important um you know if you're going to start i'll use an example myself um if you're going to start a business and you look at the things that could go wrong i could lose my house i could lose my car could lose all my money um you know i'm basically giving up a guaranteed income for potentially nothing etc 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 you're probably not going to start the business but if you start the business with the positive standpoint of well what if it goes well what if, look all the people i can serve i'll be able to employ people and help them build their families and you look at it in that respect you're probably likely to spend uh, you know uh, the time to start the business and i think what you're saying as well is that just reading the news or consuming positive information is likely to make you act in a better way that then will give you stronger belief in humans being uh, good people essentially which again works as a conveyor belt in a revolving door it changes our our day-to-day decisions you know the best example i've been using for a while i probably need to update it but we had three children in college when the pandemic hit so my husband and i had been empty nesters for exactly four months And um, then one by one, they all came back from spring break with their significant other and their schools told them never to come back. So that's the, how they handled the United States colleges um, decided that there wouldn't be any students on campus. So we had suddenly our household went from two to eight and um, you know, every day we had, we had a choice in many situations. You can imagine the opportunities for friction there. I could tell you some very funny stories about smelling strange smells from my son's bedroom and deciding <laughs> not to confront him about that was it the uh, the sweet mary <laughs> jane by any chance uh well i don't know maybe um but you know we're we live in vermont which is the cannabis um the cannabis capital of the united states so maybe yeah <laughs> but you know every day you know um we had to cook these meals all of a sudden together. Everybody had to pitch in somewhere in that process or we, somebody would get, or we'd get aggravated, right? Like there were so many small decisions. And here's something that I, I wanted to share with you that I found had us through the whole two and a half years we lived together like that. Um, is this idea of being kinder than you need to be. Not being kind. You know how everybody's doing this big thing on be kind? I love that. Of course I love be kind. But I think being kinder than you need to be makes all of us raise our game. You know, one time I was in a conversation with my brother, who's a former F-15 fighter pilot. He's very straightforward about things. And he wanted to have some kind of confrontation with the neighbor on the family farm. And I said, Alex, you have to be kinder than you need to be, or we could lose this neighborly relationship. And he goes, I am being kind. Okay. How many times are we? Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. How many times are we looking at our situation and we're, we're thinking this is all I can do or that we, this is, this is the best I can do when, if we looked at the situation, like, okay, here I am with my kindness, my ability to be kindness about my son or somebody not helping with the dishes or whatever it is day to day, our a coworker who's left his stuff all over my, my shared office, whatever. What is the, what is being kinder than you need to be look like? And that raises all of our games up in our day-to-day decisions. 
Um, and, and we can do that on the internet too. We can decide what to share and what not to. We can decide what to chime in on and, and or not to. I, I just don't, I don't add to anything that makes my blood boil ever. Yeah. Um, I, I am always trying to be kinder than I need to be. I'm, I'm assuming the best intention of intentions of others. Those are all good habits that make our day to day lives roll forward in the small decisions to create better tomorrows. I love that because there is a success principle essentially that says something very similar where it says, do more than what you're paid for. And you will then start getting paid uh, more than what you're doing basically it's like if you work somewhere and you're you're doing more than you're being paid for there'll come a time where you'll move up the ladder and actually you'll be getting paid more than what you're doing and it's like right. that you know you if you're being kind and you need to be it will come to a point where the, the scales will reverse yes. and actually you'll be treated better than you deserve deserve to be in some respects because you've actually given all that positivity out there in the first place well, the same is true of leadership as well. And I think, I think, uh, being positive and knowing about a world that's positive, um, is about leadership, but you know, the old thing where, well, I'll start acting like I'm a leader once they give me a leadership role. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's yeah. not how it works. Right. The reason why you get the leadership role, you get asked to move up in the company is because you demonstrated that kind of leadership ahead of time. The same is, is true of knowing more about the world of, of innovation, which obviously falls in the, in the category of positive news. I'll tell you, if there was one practical reason, one, and, and nobody, if you didn't care about your worldview at all, you just wanted to make it, make it in the world faster, be the idea person, know what other people are doing that are, that's innovation and, and, and moving us all forward faster than we ever imagined because almost all the innovators that I've ever interviewed or written articles about, they were inspired by someone else. And it gave them some little piece of the puzzle in their own unique mind and their own experience set to come up with some fantastic idea in their world. So if there was a reason to, to dive into positive news or at least the kind of well, at least the kind of articles that we cover, people who are really coming up with solutions to some of the world's greatest problems, if there was ever a reason to do that, that's super selfish, <laughs> but good for everyone at the same time. It's that once you know so much more about ideas and change makers, um, your own mind will start coming up with ideas in your world that make everyone around you feel super lucky. Yeah, well, you have to give value first, don't you? Going back to your point a minute ago. Yeah value first and then things come beyond that it's not like oh yeah i need to be paid first to then become a leader and a good good employee if you if you right. were to give a million dollar idea to your to your boss and that was implemented and they made the million pounds do you not think that right. you would get paid more right you have to do that first it's not like and you hear this all the time a negative attitude oh you know if i was getting paid 100 grand i'd work harder as well it's like no you have to do that prior to to, uh, to receiving anything and it's like the positive news situation like you said um here's a, here's a question then so you've obviously been operating on the goods exchange for a while what are your top few stories um that inspired you the most whether that's recent to keep it current or whether that's historic i love the stories large and small I'd love to share stories, large and small. Okay. I've already mentioned two really large ones. Damian Mander, Jane Goodall is on his board. He's figured out that single mothers make the best game wins in Africa. 
that is such a game changer in places in Africa that need to find a way to to weave in surrounding communities with the protection of wildlife and natural parks. But on the small scale, it's just as important. There's a wonderful woman that we wrote an article about in Detroit who was lucky enough, you know how city blocks sometimes have internal gardens. She had such a great garden, such an abundant garden that she couldn't possibly go through all this this vegetables these vegetables that were being produced and yet it was a food desert the area where she lived that's what we call areas in the united states that um have no grocery stores so what did she do she got an old secondhand refrigerator put it out on the street in front of her apartment building ran the cord up through the window and then she just put a sign on the front free free food and so whenever she had leftover or you know garden produce she just put it in there and people would come by and take it. And there was no shame attached to it. You know, oh, you'd look in the freezer today, you're walking the fridge by and you see a zucchini and you can make something of it. Then local restaurants started to add to the fridge and then she had to put out two fridges. Um, and then people started giving and taking from it. And it just became a, a community resource that changed everybody's sense about who each other is, right? Yeah, in, in a way, those smaller stories, not that there's any hierarchy between big and small stories, but sometimes those small stories are more personable and they are, in a sense, more inspiring because it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's so relatable. Like you're at home, you've got some stuff, you you know, you get your fridge and put it out on the front front door. And, you know, it's it's um, that, as I said, there's no there's no hierarchy. And there's no sort of. Um, uh, uh, score taking let's say for how big something is but those those ones are really really inspiring for me you know there's a woman um i could uh also you know i really think it's important as we each find what we're uniquely built to contribute you know i sh it's a little bit of a detour but i should say i think that the great um the great what do they call it the great resignation that went on during the pandemic you know so many people quit their jobs i've been calling that the great questioning all along because I think that's what people did. They During the pandemic, they had time to pause and say, whoa, wait, if I work for this crazy guy for another five years, where will I be? Or if I do this thing that's meaningless, where will I be? So people paused and then they questioned, you know, what they're uniquely built to contribute. Well, that's a, that is factors into this world of good work and good news and people that are doing extraordinary things. For instance, there's a woman who loved dogs and she had a particular knack known by all her friends and family for handling really bad dogs. <laughs> so she was constantly adopting bad dogs. And um, eventually she started this, the, she started this whole movement that instead of calling dogs bad dogs, just recognizing that some dogs were task oriented and other dogs were people-oriented. You know, we always like the dogs that are just waiting, looking at us, wagging their tail, waiting for our next command, right? Well, she discovered that these dogs that are considered bad dogs very often are just task-related dogs. And she's discovered how to train these dogs to do all kinds of amazing things. Like here in the United States, um, they she's trained dogs to figure out where invasive species are. Like, for instance, in a in a national park or a state park, there might be some horrible plant that's just taking over everything. Well, she can train these bad dogs because they're task relate, they're task um, masters on themselves to sniff out. And so they can kill every single invasive plant there is, or, um, or, or an area where they, they might be worried that the very last rabbit of a certain kind is left. 
they can train these dogs to find those last few birds or rabbits so that we can save them. Yeah. And uh, oh, on and on it goes. You know, sniffing. It's a bit like the the kids situation at school. Sometimes those naughty kids aren't naughty. It's not. It's because they are not challenged and they need something interesting, like a task, like you say, to 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 do. It's not the fact yes. they aren't people yes. pleasers. They aren't you know goody two shoes. They they need something to focus and they need to be in charge of their own ship. So maybe that's a situation there. And um, but sometimes as well with the with the COVID, and I I think I would under un, underwent what you said as well. The great questioning. Because we're so fast running on, or we're running so fast on the hamster wheel, we get very little time to reflect on where we are and sit back down. And, and solitude, I'm a, I'm a great advocate of solitude. Loneliness is where you want company, but you can't get company because for whatever reason, you're not really sought after in that respect. Solitude is a voluntary action. And when you're in solitude, you have no distractions and you can actually think about where you are and what you want. Um, and... I'm definitely in agreement with you. I think there was a massive shift change of people saying, well, do I want to do this forever? You know, whether COVID was real or not, let's just skip that aside for the minute. You know, some people might have might have had the thought that, you know, what if I was going to die tomorrow? Is this how I wanted to live my life? And maybe that was also an, in, uh, an impetus for, for change. But I think also um, I, all that is absolutely true. And I think we all have... I think we all want to serve. Can we talk a minute about ser service to others? Yeah, love it. So I've really noticed in my, this is part of my being a part of thousands of people's lives as a dentist. My husband and I are both dentists in this little farming town in Vermont, about an hour south of Montreal. And we've really built the practice so he and I have time to chat with people, just chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting all day long. And so one of the things that we learned from that is that people are happiest when they feel like they belong, like they're contributing something that only they are built to contribute. And, and we found that, that the people that are the happiest are always connected in some way to serving others. It may be a part of their job, like like the nurse who who can't wait to go to work or the, the teacher that's still holding on and still sees... 28 shining eyes looking back at her you know not every teacher or every nurse can be inspired like that these days but you know what i'm talking about the people who really seem to have found their niche we all know them in our lives very often there is an aspect of service to others in these people that are the happiest they feel a sense of belonging they feel like um, they matter they feel like they're they're in a two-way um a two-way relationship that's deep and meaningful with others. And I, I, I'm really encouraging people to think about making sure that, that there's an active aspect of service in their lives. If, if you're unhappy, it may be because you, you, you haven't found what you're uniquely built to contribute to the lives of others. And yeah. I know that sounds kind of woo-woo-woo, but it's, it's really not. It's <laughs> Just not. Knowing thousands of people, those are the yeah. happiest. You can use business examples as well. You know, you have to be able to serve others. A lot of people are materialistic and they focus on money. But even if you look at the fundamental of business, fundamentals of business, you have to serve others in order to generate income. Walmart or or the taxi service, you're serving someone else. You're allowing someone to get from destination to destination B. You're allowing someone to just come into the shop and buy goods and services, whatever that's going to be. And I think that should be a focus of in people's lives is providing service providing value to others everything else is secondary 
and that should be the focus that should be the purpose and that should be the 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 focus of your actions and the byproduct of that is feeling good getting compliments being valued yeah. and that's in itself its own currency isn't it yeah have you ever seen like gone through an airport and seen i remember specifically the person that taught me this was a tsa agent oh airline travel was becoming so excruciating right before the pandemic. Everybody was so crabby and it was just awful. And there was this T TSA agent in Amsterdam that we were passing through and he was hilarious. He was cracking jokes. It was like he was doing a stand-up routine in the middle of one of those long back and forth and back and forth. And he, you could tell that he was passionate about what he was doing. He knew he was serving others to get us all through there faster. And every question that somebody asked, asked all full of emotion he would diffuse it and be helpful it was just a thing of beauty to watch someone who really looked at their job from the angle of service to others now there's two ways to look at that job you can just say "Ugh, i'm having to deal with all these wacky travelers right now or you can say i get the privilege of helping all these travelers right now right like that's our choice every day in our jobs language is so important it's not you know uh, it i get to be able to do this i can do this um rather than i can't do this or i have to do this i think yes. that the language change as you, as you said there is a massive massive thing and it changes your whole perspective um and as you've said right at the start you know the, the positive language the positive information has that effect on us as well doesn't it um is there anything you would want to 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 sort of talk about that we've not talked about whether it's a tedx talks whether it's the book um or, or something else that you feel that we've we've not yet covered well you know my book is a compilation uh, it's called happiness is an option um and it's a compilation of all the things that the thought leaders I've interviewed and written about over the years have taught me. And so, you know, if, it, it also, it goes into the four shifts um, quite nicely, but um, I think that it's part of the seeking signs of goodness and progress. Um, there's a lovely, oh, I know what I would really love to share with you. Um, we talk a lot at the Goodness Exchange about a conspiracy of goodness in our times right now. I mean, we really think that's what's happening. Don't forget what a conspiracy is. It starts with sort of an underground, quiet coming together of people. And, you know, um, we can have a conspiracy of goodness as much as we have all the other conspiracies that people want to promote. We can look around us and see all of our, all the people making small choices quietly that are adding up right now. I, I always like to tell people there is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world, but we just don't know about it yet. And this conspiracy of goodness is just not showing up in the news for a couple of reasons, Javon. Remember, news is only newsworthy if it's rare. We don't hear about all the airplanes that landed today that, that did just fine, got people on time, was all safe. We only hear about the one that was a near miss or a crash, right? And that's, we got to keep reminding our minds that, that all this negativity that we're watching is only newsworthy because it's so rare. I love it. And the vast majority of people out there um, of, of work and all the things that are going on in our lives, the vast majority of it is really good, but it's not newsworthy because of that. It's true. Like, so like, said, like, the, accident, you... like the car the car situation. Like, for every like, 100,000 cars that drive on the road today, 
99,999 of those will get home to their families okay, but it's the one that has the accident that's all over the news. You know, all cars are so dangerous. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, um, and the 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 secret, the the hidden nature of all this goodness that that I'm I'm pointing to um, is really what we have to we have to work on in between our ears in this beautiful computer brain we have. We have to say. Yes, that bad thing happened. And there were millions of good things that happened that I'm not hearing about. And that goes into, let, let me share the story of the, the actual story of the conspiracy of goodness with you, because I think it's a nice way to wrap, wrap up and might leave people with, um, with some hope. Um, I do have a TED talk called Exposing the Conspiracy of Goodness. So if this story um, lands on you, well, look up Exposing the Conspiracy of Goodness on the internet and you'll see that. So here's the story. Um, I was, I was interviewing an amazing thought leader who's in the sporting world and using sports to do teach kids goodness at a young age. And he, he was listening to what I told him about the goodness exchange. He said, Oh, Dr. Linda, you know about the conspiracy of goodness. Don't you that the story of from world war II? And I said, no. And he goes, Oh, it's exactly what you're doing. He told me there was a little, uh, village in called Le Chambon, France that managed to save 3000 lives. Most of them children from a nearby Nazi concentration camp. And uh, there was a rabbi, Harold Schulweis, who was giving a lecture in Europe after World War II. And the lecture he called The Conspiracy of Evil. And he tells a great story of an old man standing up in the back of the room after one of his lectures. And the old man said uh, that he was one of the, the rescuers, one of the people who had saved a whole family, a whole Jewish family. And the old man said, do you think I could have saved this entire family without the help of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? No, he said. For every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. It was a conspiracy of goodness. So that's the first time I can find reference, the, the phrase conspiracy of goodness on the internet. And when you really think about what that farmer was saying, he was saying, no, look, we all got to come together here. We probably are together in certain ways. And we're each part of a, of a cog that can create a shared future that's beautiful or, or not, but we have to step up and be conscious of our role, whatever it might be and, and do it. Love it. Love it. I think, as you said, there's, there's always more goodness and people involved than, than you think of. And, I, and what comes to mind is um, there's a film. I can't remember the name of the film now uh, about a little girl who, was dying of, uh, of of some sort of bowel cancer, and she got cured at the end. But what happened at the end of the film was they showed you all of the little people who did their little part to help her get cured. And when you watch the film for the first time, well, sorry, you watch the film and you've not got to the last ten or fifteen minutes where it shows you all those people and what they did to to make everything happen. You just think, oh, you know, it happened. But when you actually look at it from the other perspective, um, it's amazing. And yes, it's a film, but it, it still shows you really how to think in, in, in the grand scheme of things uh, in terms of how the world operates as well. Yes, you know, um, I just I'm looking over here again um, there. I just got off the phone before this interview with somebody I'm going to interview for my podcast, The Conspiracy of Goodness. And um, he is managing this amazing global effort to reduce plastic waste. It's mind blowing how big this thing is. And he said something that might be lovely for you. Um, we, 
our direct impact is visible to us, but not our indirect impact, right? That's the point of the movie that you, that you just referred to. We seem to keep measuring ourselves only on the compliments we get or the likes we get or the, the shares or what all these, these direct things that we can see. But he points out that the, that the, the bigger picture, the indirect things that are happening because of our way in the world are far more valuable and they will go out over the scope of time and change the future for everyone. And I thought that was, that was super empowering for folks that are trying to get started doing something good in the world, finding what they're uniquely built to contribute. Um, he also said something that I thought was lovely. He said, never lose the ability to fall in love with problems, even the small ones. Love it. Because problems are really opportunities, aren't they? That's exactly how it is. And we all can influence them in some way, large or small. Apart from if you have an alcohol problem, it's it's not an alcohol opportunity. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And and yet, um, maybe it's an opportunity to to learn more compassion for us. I mean, like, uh, you're gonna if you push me, Javon, I can find opportunity in almost anything. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm I'm the same. I've I've taken a long time to program my mind to regardless of how bad things are, you know, from losing your job, for example. And, and and reprogramming your mind or, or looking at the positive saying well now i can find a job that's closer to home with better pay with better benefits that i actually enjoy doing instead of yes. you know what's just happened relationship you finish a relationship yes you know you, you said that it ended but i now know what i like in a partner and can go out and find them and it it's going to be exciting again so there's always something doesn't matter how bad things are there's always something positive to come from it and that, you know, if you start with a really, um, a really open mind, can I tell you one last story of good news that relates Absolutely. exactly to what you just said? Absolutely. See how you, you, you indicated this transition. One thing led to another, to another, to another. Um, there's this absolutely amazing, um, story of good news that I just, uh, interviewed the, the head person on. It's a group in, uh, Africa that's learned that the, gr the great pouched rats of Africa have this, they're First of all, they're incredibly smart and they have um, literally changed um, the whole country of Mozambique to a mine free zone. They trained the rats really? to, to sniff out because Mozambique went through a terrible yeah, um, yeah. war about 15 years ago. There was farmers that there's so many people lost limbs because they just want to go out and farm their own farm. And they don't know that there's a landmine buried there. So that's the backstory. But anyway, they've realized that these rats can be easily trained. They're super long lived. So it makes the training valuable and they can cover the surface of a field in short order and never set off the landmines, but, but indicate where they are. And that's that. Okay. So that would be good enough, right? Train rats to find landmines. How good is that? But no, then they found out that they can detect tuberculosis wow. in about a quarter of a second by smelling tuberculosis samples. So now they're discovering tuberculosis all over all over this part of Africa, just like that with these samples rather than elaborate medical tests. All right, then when the Turkish um, earthquake happened, didn't those folks call up and say, is there anything that these rats can do? Well, it turns out you can put little backpacks on them and these rats are incredible at going into rubble after earthquakes, after natural disasters and finding survivors. It's 
it's breathtaking how one thing, one good thing leads to another in our lives, in our everyday lives, like you indicated, but also in, in innovation and the way we think about what's possible in the companies that we work for. We can have that same kind of next and next and next mentality. And um, it becomes kind of like this necklace. This necklace is a Tetris game. You know how Tetris works? Uh, I'm, I was thinking, I looked at that earlier. I was, I was contemplating whether it was Sudoku or, or some sort of Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it Tetris. You can actually pay Tetris on this. And I, I wear it quite often to remind me about the conscious choices we have. You don't, you, you don't sit down in front of a test, Tetris game and think about your relationship problems or your what's on. You don't try and play Tetris and do social media, do you? You, <laughs> you got to be present. You got to think about things consciously. Imagine what's next or what may come. And that's the way we can think of our lives in relationship to seeking good news and sharing it. Love it. It's, just, it's definitely a snowball effect, isn't it? In either direction. And it's better to be on the positive side of the snowball than on the negative. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people reach out to you? Obviously, you've talked about the podcast and, and the goodness exchange. Yeah. Is there any other um, suggestions of where people can, can reach you and yeah. resources they can use? Um, well, I I um, am pretty good about um, getting back to every single person that contacts us through the Goodness Exchange. We have quite a system of being very, very responsive. So if you just go to the contact us line on the Goodness Exchange, I will get any message that you send me. Um, um, as I said, the, the book is very empowering. People, I get messages almost every day from people who come across the book, happiness is an option. And if you just want a, uh, a quick reminder once in a while about what's possible, that TED talk um, exposing the conspiracy of goodness is a lovely thing um, to drop into periodically. It's only 13 minutes long, but it gives you the big picture on how you're in charge of what happens next in your life. So, um, so yeah, if people want to get a hold of me, I do a lot of public speaking. I, I love to be the moderator in, 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 in meetings because I'm so naturally curious and I can, I have a knack with bringing out the best in people. So yeah, I, I, my life is in service to others and I'm serving the wider world in any way I can to get ideas and innovation that can help us all have a shared future to rise to the top. Love it. Um, I'll put the the links on the notes for the, for the show. Yes. Um, so people can click on there, but thanks yeah. very much for being a yeah. guest. Linda, you've, yeah. uh, I'm a positive person anyway, but some of the stories today, um, I'll probably end up thinking about those later on tonight because uh, things that happen during the day, you tend to think of later on in the day. And I'm going to start, I'm going to think about that refrigerator example and the rat example. I'm yes. sitting there think, yeah, do you know what? There. The world's yeah. even, um, even more amazing than I thought this morning. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you can dive into any episode on the conspiracy of goodness podcast, Javon, we don't, we're random. We're so random. Um, and think, Oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that these folks that are carrying on in the world in a way that will change the future for us all. They're fascinating, ordinary people. We have lovely conversations. Sometimes we just need that, that spring in our step again. And, um, and so that's where you can get it. At, is that the goodness exchange or the conspiracy of goodness podcast definitely check it out and thanks again for for being on the show all right thanks so much